Pickaxe. Uh, by the whole monastery thing, what do you mean? Oh, no one can. Oh, you're sorry. You're you're muted. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was my bad. I forgot one thing. Keep going. You're good now. You like you know where you cast off all your belongings and go to like live in the temple with all you know the other the monks and all that, or did you just like study and? No, so I, um, I st uh, so yeah, it's a good question. So I tried to do that. So I, I spent one summer in a monastery at the age of 21 and decided I wanted to become a monk. Um, so I, you know, was learning from monks and I went to them and I said, I'm ready to take my vows and I want to become a monk. And they said, you're crazy. And then I was like, what? No, but I really love this. I want to do this. And they're like, that's totally cool. So you can come here and study with us, but you're not ready to take your vows. We want you to finish your education. We want you to go get a doctoral degree. You can come here and study with us. You can stay as long as you want to, but you need to complete certain worldly duties. And then if you still want to take your vows at the age of 30, we will take you. And I said, sure. And then you're just like, no, thanks. And then you're no, just no. like, no, thanks afterwards. No, no. I was, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. So then I spent several years doing what they told me to do. I spent every summer in India. Um, usually like, uh, winter breaks as well while, while I was in college. Um, so would spend like anywhere between two and four months in monasteries. Also traveled to different monasteries, um, across India, South Korea, and Japan and studied with different teachers. Um, and then really wasn't sure like which tradition to take vows in. Um, you know, I had my original teachers and they said like, you can come back when you're 30. And I was like, cool. And I, I went back every year and they continued to teach me. And then, um, well, how, old you, how old are you now? I'm 38. Oh, uh, so did you end up going? I mean, I'm assuming you didn't go back and commit. So like, nope. why, why did you not commit? Uh, because I met my wife and fell in love. And as it turns out, my teachers were very, very wise and understood that my desire to become a monk was out of escapism. It was a genuine love for what I was learning, but there was a heavy component of escaping and ego. So they were like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. They were like, you can't give up a life that you don't have. Right. So they were like, go and build a life and have something worth giving up and then give it up and become a monk. They're like, go build oh, something. That makes sense. Um, I understand this like now. So yeah. Yeah, and you're like so young when you're like going in and you're like, you know, how like when you think everything is like magnified so much higher when you're younger mm -hmm. and it's like, uh, you're like, I've done all this stuff and I've experienced all these things like, no, you haven't. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So my teachers were very wise then. They're still wise now. I think they understood me um, and they still taught me a lot. And then I ultimately also discovered or realized also through their help that becoming a monk is just something that you do on the outside. Right. So like the, there are actually like you can become like the real work of a monk is not has nothing to do with the outside world. It has everything to do with like the internal world. So I still practice in a robust way that I would if I was a monk uh, because everything's internal. Doing like the mantras and all that. Yep. I was actually learning about um, like Zen Buddhism and like all the, you know, some of those other things and like. It's interesting how they, they, like one of the health aspects that they have, like that they, that we don't really think about in like our society is like uh sat, like the inner monologue, like sound within, you know, like that's why they do mantras to like replace 
like how your brain is like going down like a different path. You can like do a mantra and like make it go down like another path. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like not like that well versed in it, but I was like, just like reading the lip on it a little bit. And I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Does that appeal to you? Oh uh, yeah. I've like uh, tried it, you know, it's like when I feel like, uh, I don't want to say like I'm getting overwhelmed, but like my brain is like going off somewhere that I don't want it to go. And like, I, I don't, I don't want to say I have like a self-diagnosed like ADD or whatever, but it's like definitely my mind wanders a lot. So it's like, it's I, I sometimes do that just like recenter myself. And like I so, try to practice mindfulness or whatever. Cool. So uh, let, let's start by just, uh, can you tell me what you go by or what I should call you today? You can just call me Brandon. It's okay. And we seem to be lagging a little bit. Yeah. So, um, and Brandon, so it sounds like we're talking about focus today. Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. Or we can talk about any other thing. Like, to be honest, I was like, uh, you guys asked me what I wanted to talk about. And then I ended up like watching uh, the Ice Poseidon episode you guys did. And like, as he's going through all that, I'm like, wow, there's like a lot of parallels here that I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, uh, we, can, we can talk about anything though. Like I'm, I'm an open book and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely like self-aware of like all the, I'm like a work in progress. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. We are, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. yeah. So tell me, where did your work in progress begin? Like what, tell me what, tell me a little um, bit about yourself, man. About myself? Uh, you want like my whole, my story or? Sure. Well, I mean, basically I, you know, normal person went to high school in small town in like Greenville, South Carolina, um, did that. Uh, I was addicted, super addicted to video games, you know, to the point where like, basically I would spend all my high school time, like sleeping. If I was in class, I was sleeping. And then if I was, and then half the time I wouldn't show up. So I just stay at home and like play games. Um, so then I like missed so many days of my, my, uh, high school year that I, uh, they were like, you're gonna have to repeat this. I just dropped out and like got my GED or whatever. And then I ended up going to like community college and like working random jobs. And, uh, and then I just got bored of that. And one day I just randomly signed up for the Navy. I was just like, okay, this, I was just like super bored of school. And I just like on a whim signed up for the Navy, did that for like three and a half years. And then I got out of that, went to university. Um, I was studying uh, pre-med. I wanted to be like a orthopedic surgeon. Um, and then in my senior year, I ended up playing in some tournament uh, in Europe and we ended up like winning it for like League of Legends. So I ended up, I was like, wow, this could like actually kind of take off. And I had a very addictive personality kind of. So, and I was a super, even though I was like doing school and all that, I was like still super addicted to games. Um, so I just on a whim dropped out my senior year and ended up like playing pro league uh, for a couple of years and like coaching it. And then I stopped doing that and I just didn't, I stream like a game called TFT and I do like day trading on the side too. And that's pretty much that. Yeah. But just to paraphrase my entire, like, I, um, I feel like my entire twenties, uh, is like a very, uh, very self-destructive. Let's just say that. Like, I, I think, I think I spent like my whole like early twenties, like drunk, like per like literally permanently drunk. And, uh, and then the second half of my twenties, I just spent like permanently high. So, I definitely have, like, I have, like, a very, very addictive personality, and that's something, like, I had to, like, gain control of, and, yeah, definitely wow. led to some interesting, interesting life, uh, some 
interesting life moments. <laughs> can, can you? Sh- I, I find myself being incredibly curious. Can you share something? What you know? Teaser much? Uh, well, yeah. Like I obviously I drank a lot when I was in the military because that's just what everybody does, and then drank a lot in college because that's just people partying, and then. But like that carried over into like when I was like playing games, uh, like on the team, and I basically would like we do our scrims, and then like the moment the scrims would get done, I would just get like, I would just drink a lot, and I would become a very like, uh, I like I like to argue with people, and like I'm not like physically fight, but like verbally fight and stuff like that, or like it like really like messed up with like a lot of my relationships with people and stuff and my teammates, and then obviously like. Uh, like when I, I like wouldn't get good sleep because, you know, when you go to sleep when you're drunk or whatever, uh, like messes up your sleep and that can like go into practice. And then it just like becomes this like self-destructive cycle. And yeah, I, I don't drink anymore just to like paraphrase on that. But it's like, uh, yeah, why not? It's definitely um, I just don't feel the need to. And I mean, I still drink socially. Like if I go out, like my friends will have like a drink, but I, like I don't drink at home. I like won't keep it in the house. Um, I just kind of like fell out of it uh actually the, mo- the moment i stopped is when i started smoking weed and i, re- I replaced one vice with another vice mm-hmm. like in my mid-20s and it's like i said i have like a very addictive personality and what does that mean a very addictive personality you keep using when, that phrase when i get into something i'm like uh i say like i just it could be a game even like it's like i become I don't, for games in particular like i become obsessed with it like it's all I can think about, like all I want to do. Um, and I, I think I use it. Uh, I think I do things like that. I don't want to say it's a form of escapism, but it's like it's more so like uh, I guess I'm like really bored of like normal, like everyday, like living kind of thing. I don't know. I'm using it as a way to like escape from that. You know, I think that's like what I like. I've kind of like came to the realization of so. Sounds um, like you've had a lot of varied experiences, man. Like you've like lived life. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we've been out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, playing professionally, joining the Navy, struggling with an addictive personality, like, you know, odd jobs, community college, pre-med dreams of being an orthopedic surgeon. There's like there's like a lot in there, bro. Yeah, we're, we're in there doing stuff. Not anymore, though. I just I just above now. <laughs> I just play video games. <laughs> yeah. How's how's that going? Uh, it's okay. I, I stream a game called TFT. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a card. I want to say like a card game. It's like a glorified card game. So yeah. It's like a chill game where you can just like hang out and talk to people. So I kind of do that. And then uh, just trade, try to do trade, trade stocks on the side, whatever, you know, all the normal stuff. Yeah. And hang out with the, my SO and all that. And, you know. <laughs> so so how do you understand your addictive personality how can you explain to us what that is like what it's like um hmm for like games or like when i was when i was drinking or like i feel like it varies from thing to thing it's because it's like uh i feel like and at least like passively in my mind i i find like if I'm not like super engaged, like I'm like, very, very active. Like I'm always like very active mind, like always thinking about like a million different things. And I, I find that if like, at least in my twenties, if I didn't like numb that out, like my brain would just like explode. Mm-hmm. I'd just be like thinking about too many things, like the future, like all this, 
you know, all like, you know, all the normal stuff, right. That any person would think about, what, but it's like, can you give us an example of what you would think about if you didn't numb your mind? Uh, just like, uh, just existential crisis, uh, like what am I going to be doing in the future? Like, uh, past interactions I've had with people or like future interactions I'm going to have with people. Um, like where am I going to be? And like, you know, I'm sure like everybody worries about this kind of stuff, but it's like my, like I, it's like very overwhelming for me. And, uh, and like, I couldn't turn it off. So it's like, I guess I would just drink to turn it off mm -hmm. or I would like smoke myself into a stupor to turn it off or do like whatever, you know? And, uh, that was basically like my coping mechanism with it. And then I got like a lot into like philosophy and kind of did like some other interesting, like therapeutic stuff to, to, to like kind of break myself out of that cycle. I want to say, so well, like, I'm good now. When did but you realize, why did you try to break out of the cycle? Can you help us understand like how you came to realize that this was a cycle and that it needed to end? Well, it's realizes like, well, obviously like it's pretty easy to realize that being drunk all the time is bad. And, and also like, I didn't like smoking because even uh, just to kind of like give you info, it's like when you smoke all the time, it's like, uh, uh, I think it like builds up like a, a massive like the more you smoke like it it it's like um over time will like build up like a massive like layer of anxiety so it's like you're using it to escape from something but it's like actually like building up like what you're trying to escape from you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's like and then one day it just it came to like a brim and i just like i just stopped smoking too so it's like because like what? when i would be when i would be out of like the out of the state of smoking i would get like where i'm normal I would have like massive anxiety because it's like I'm I'm not used to like the nor the normality, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's like, and then one day I just realized like I just I uh I just some reason I just like didn't need to do it anymore. I don't know. I was like woke up one day and I just didn't need it. I was like I'm just gonna stop this, and I was just like it was okay. I don't even understand like, how it happened, but I what do you think about that? Anymore. Well, what just stopping? Yeah, how does that? That's kind of interesting. Well, I mean, I, at the time I was reading a lot of like a philosophy and um, like uh, one, th one thing that really like helped me was like this concept of uh, basically like the past not existing and the future not existing. And the only thing that exists and is like real is the present and basically like being in the present because a lot of the, my issues of like the anxiety were like the, the, like thinking about the future. Right. Or, you know, or thinking about things that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you like remove those like concepts, those ideas, and like the only thing that is 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 real or like matters to you and that is in front of you is is like right now, like this conversation with you right now, and then bringing your mind to like being like in that moment at all times, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just like <laughs> it sounds ridiculous to try not to think about the future, but um, just more like yeah, just more focusing on the present and that just that concept helped me out a lot. So it sounds like you were because here's what I'm imagining, Brandon, is that there are people who are watching this. Right. And like so in my day job, I'm actually like in a day. Well, I don't even know if that's true anymore because this has become my day job. But um, in, in my day job, as of one year ago, I used to be an addiction psychiatrist. I mean, I still have I still see about 10 patients nice. a week. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is that like when I 
when I talk to my patients, when I work with patients, most of them know, just like you said, like they know that like drinking every day is not a good idea, that using pot every day is not a good idea. They'll even realize that like, oh, my anxiety is actually getting worse and I've become chemically dependent on mm-hmm. marijuana. Um, and And then like, even though they know that, they still wake up and, and on a given day, like that anxiety they experience is so bad that they like can't, they literally like can't stop. Right. And because they it becomes to. a routine. Yeah. yeah. It's like a routine. So, so it, it's kind of interesting to hear you say one day I woke up and I just eh, didn't do it anymore. Well, it's not like it was like a buildup. It's like I was meant, it's like I was mentally conditioning myself every day, like tweaking like little knobs and. The, there's just other things that like went into like me helping. I don't know if I, I can talk about them, but uh, it's like, uh, but it's like I was tweaking knobs in my brain like a little bit every day, and then eventually I got it to like, I'm like reading things, you know, like listening to lectures, like um, talking to people, like that, like and kind of like trying to tweak my view like a little bit every day, and eventually it's like I got my mind to like the view I needed to to just stop. So it's not it's not like I just woke up. I'm like, here I am. It's like, you know, I, I had to work on it for sure. And and so what I'm kind of curious on is if your mind is you said you got your mind to get yeah. the view that you needed. Yes. Which implies that there is some kind of force within you that is guiding your mind. I mean, don't we all we have our inner monologue or ego? I don't know. Is it, what would you? Because because when you say you got your mind to where it needed to go, what is the part of you that knew where you needed to go? Uh, I mean, the part where it's like I know I don't like how I feel, like when I smoke all the time or when I drink all the time. Like obviously, it's I don't want to say it's like a like a moral barometer is not the right word, but it's like you know it's not right, you know, and then like and you don't yeah, feel so right. What would you call that part of yourself? Because it sounds like it's actually not a part of your mind. Um, because if that ego, is right, uh, is that what you would call it? Yeah, it's your ego. It's How your would inner you? Monologue. Okay, so it's an inner monologue. So you you wouldn't you would separate your inner monologue from your mind. Um, I mean, you're. I mean, your inner monologue is you. That's who you. That's that's your mind, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, you could say like your mind is like your subconscious and like all these other things that are like going into it, right? But it, like your inner monologue is like your mind that's like on the forefront, right? What does that mean on the forefront? Or it's like the one that's like active that you can like, like you can, you the know, part- like you have like conversations with yourself and like, yep. All that kind of like, it's the one that you're, I don't want to say you interact with, but it's like the one that you like, is like the loudest, you know, like the one that you can. Yeah. Cause so, I know the subconscious plays like a big, big effect and all this kind of stuff too. But. So when you say inner monologue, you're talking about thoughts in your head. A yes. conversation between two parts of you. Yes. I see. And and so one of those, and you would call one of those your ego. Yeah, ego is who you are. Like it's, um, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's your, who your identity as a person, right? Like to, to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, personally, I would say that who you are and your identity are two separate things. To yourself. I mean... Not to, obviously like your identity to other people is much different than the thoughts that are going on in your head. And, you know, don't you think? Yeah. So I would like, say that your ego and who you are are two separate things. What would you define like, uh, so what would you define the ego as? 
the sense of I. Sense so like I. I have a sense of who I am, right? Yes. That, like I have a construction in my mind about who I am. Yep. But and that. You're, but you're like, that's what I'm talking about. Like I'm chiseling away like at that identity. Cause you can get locked into like, this is who I am. Or like, this is what mm-hmm. I do every day. Or like, this is my routine. You know? Yeah. So, and so who's doing the chiseling? If you're chiseling on your identity, who is it that's doing um, the chis- chiseling? Uh, I'm not, mm, I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, my, me just being self-aware and it's like, I am aware that I want to change this. And Mm -hmm. that's just the only way I know how is like by little, like gradual changes. Yes. So if you look at the, the yogic model, which is going to be consistent with like Zen Buddhism, they would say that there are more uh, we'll highlight three right now there are three discrete parts of your like internal experience one Mm -hmm. is awareness Mm -hmm. one is identity and one is mind okay that's why you were like trying to separate them okay i got you yeah and and i think you you know it sounds like you actually know that it's just it's an issue of vocabulary and like precision in terms of our Mm -hmm. language but you know like it's the part of you that is aware of stuff that is sort of like looking from the outside. And if you're chiseling away at your identity, that makes perfect sense. And also when you kind of talk a little bit about inner monologue, right? Like it's sort of like there's a part of you that is aware of stuff and that awareness can only exist in the present. Whereas if you think about the identity, the identity Mm -hmm. is something that's a little bit more longitudinal. Your sense of identity by necessity involves, or not by necessity, but generally speaking, involves things from the past and things in the future. And also your mind has things in the past and things in the future. But mm-hmm. awareness can only exist in the present. And that if you yeah. are in the present, then you would be sitting more in awareness. And that's kind of something that I was talking about earlier, I guess. Yep, exactly. So that, that, that's, how I would, that's how I would arrange these puzzle pieces. Um, which it sounds like you understand, you know, it sounds like we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, you mentioned that there are certain things that you may not be able to talk about. I was kind of confused about that. Uh, um, you don't have to talk about it. I'm just confused why you wouldn't be able to talk about something. Is that like a personal barrier or like a TOS thing or what? Uh, not personal barrier. I'm fine. Um, I don't really care. Actually, I'll talk about it. Just like, uh, okay, let's say you talked about the the ice Poseidon stuff, right? And <laughs> this is, okay, I'm going to get like, maybe, I hope I don't get murdered for this, but it's like, okay, I feel like I'm on the spectrum a little bit, and I feel like a lot of gamers are on the spectrum a little bit in the sense of like, uh, very hard to deal with like empathy and like uh, missing social cues and, um, you know, all, all, the, all, all that jazz. Uh, and it's like, that's something I had to deal with. Uh, I was watching, yeah, that's why I mentioned the Ice Poseidon episode is, mm-hmm. I feel like I had to deal a lot with that when I was like in high school and also like in my earlier years in my relationships with people. And it's like, that's another like knob I had to like try to tweak as like I went through this whole process. And um, yeah, and like also in this whole process, like uh, one of the things I did I ended up that I'm I'm fine talking about it. It's like I ended up doing like MDMA to like help me with like this and uh and like that kind of like uh helped me understand like logically like what empathy is and like helped me like also bring 
like a different level of happiness and like the way that like i think like before in like my earlier years like it was like the vice and like the cycles and all this other things that like i want to say brought me happiness but like it gave me a new look on like what can create happiness in my life and like the feelings of that like basically it's like when i was on it it uh i was like i want to i was thinking what makes me happy like in this moment besides like the chemical effects and all that and it i came to the conclusion it's that it's the experiences that i'm having with other people and like sharing an experience and like caring about other people and all that kind of you know uh and that's like what brought me happiness right so like before my earlier years i had trouble with empathy right and now it's like logically i can logically empathize with people cuz like i i have that understanding of like i can logically like piece i can like piece it out it's like this is what it, it means to like care you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 but that's like that's like one of the things that also like helped me break me out of the cycle and like helped me a lot yeah, I, I was wondering if you were talking about psychedelics. So I, I think, you know, just to toss out a couple of things. One is that, um, so I've actually had, so there, there are a lots, of, there's lots of research ongoing. I don't know if you follow any of this stuff. Um, there's an organization called the Multiple. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we act like the, I, I have a, a good relationship with the person who founded and runs MAPS. He actually came on stream like six, eight months ago to talk about the work mm-hmm. they were doing. Um and, and so Rick is a phenomenal guy. I think there's a lot of uh, recognition now within the psychiatric community that um, some of these substances have uh, like potential to improve lives. Um, I think you got to be. So I've had actually patients who have had like lifelong addictions who have gone to treatment facilities outside of the, the United States and have had really amazing healing experiences. And I've also had patients who using these experiences has, have developed permanent and crippling like mental health disorders. Yeah. Um, it's, de- it's definitely, yeah. I so, mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something I feel like you have to go in with the, I don't want to say a purpose, but it's like a lot of people can use like that type of stuff as like a form of escapism in its own mm-hmm. as well. I think that's like when the issue comes in. So. Yeah, I mean, so just, you know, for anyone listening out there, I I wouldn't recommend like, you know, because I think your mileage may vary and we just really don't know what's safe. Um, And and I've seen, you know, we hear I've seen success stories and I've seen like really dangerous things happen to people. I have definitely seen it, too. Yep. So would not recommend it. Um, I think for for people who are curious, uh, I actually just had a conversation with someone at MAPS this week. And I was a little bit curious about, you know, when do you think that FDA approval in the United States for some of these things could happen? Could happen as early as 2022. So we, we may be looking at, you know, they're in phase three clinical trials. So like, you know, people may be able to use these in a therapeutic manner within the next year under guidance and like, you know, being assured of the quality of what you're getting and stuff like that, because that's a huge issue. Well, they're, they're already doing it for like PTSD patients and stuff, aren't they? Trials. Trials. Okay. Okay. So phase three clinical trials is the last stage of clinical trials before something gets approved as a treatment. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then you can, you know, so I, I advise everyone to wait until you can do it in a safe way. So, so Dr. K is saying invade and in, invest in shrimp stocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I wouldn't listen to me in terms of, <laughs> I mean, a stock advice. But. Yeah. Um, 
But what, so can you tell us a little bit when you said that, like, you know, you related to some of what Ice Poseidon was saying, like, what was your experience in high school? Uh, my high school, it's, well, I'll just like kind of talk earlier, kind of like how, it sure. so basically my, my parents got divorced when I was like younger and they were both working. I had three sisters, so we had like a big family. Um, so my parents, they were working like both full-time jobs. And so like I, then they come home from work and be like super tired, right? So basically my relationship with them is like non-existent, you know? So I would just like go off to my room and like play games all the time, 24 seven. And I did have a small group of friends like I would hang out with and all that. But it's like, I feel like that, that whole like situation definitely hurt my ability to understand like, I don't want to say like what a, uh, like a normal human being relationship is, you know, like the, the, yeah, all the little ins and outs of it. And that definitely like carried over and like throughout like my whole life. And yeah, so in high school and all that, you know, being a pro gamer, uh, just a lot of experiences. And that's something like I've always like been battling with. And that's why I brought up like the. What, what, yeah. what is something you've been battling with? I just, how to explain it? Um, I feel like, especially like earlier in my life, it was very difficult to have what I would call like a normal. Like, what I think like the, like the, I don't want to say like the template, but like a template friendship with somebody or like interact, like the relationship with somebody. Or, can, can you explain how that was hard for you? Or like, what would happen? What does that look em- like? Em- empathy was ex- like extreme. Like, I like basically felt like no empathy. Um, it's like, it was very hard for me to like understand like how the other person was feeling. Or like, and like, I would miss social cues a lot. Like. I would just say like random stuff that like would like hurt them, you know, or like do random things that would hurt them. And like I do, I couldn't like understand, like it like didn't mentally process to me, you know. Can you tell me a story about that just to illustrate so I can, because you're giving me uh, kind of the conclusion. I was hoping to get a little bit more raw data. A story? Uh, <laughs> I'll just use like something that's in the public. Uh, when I was like a pro gamer, I would like get drunk all the time and like there's like a incident that's out there like where i ended up arguing with one of my teammates like and it was on like we had cameras set up all like throughout our house and like would pretty much stream or stream us 24 7 which is a ridiculous idea of course and i ended up like like fighting with one of my teammates that was like was actually my good friend like i I really liked the guy um and i just said like a bunch of shit that was like really hurtful and like mean to him and uh yeah and then it's like i look back on it now and it's like uh yeah and like in the moment, like, I don't understand, like, any of the stuff that's going on. Like, obviously, I'm drunk, too, but it's, like, I can't, I don't, like, understand the situation, you know? And, like, that's, like, a, been, like, a recurring theme, like, throughout my, like, whole life, so. I don't know. What's it like to live a life where you don't understand the situation? Well, it's, like, I understand the situation, but I don't understand, like, the feelings involved. That's, like, a better way of. Looks like you yeah. felt something just now. Yeah, now I, that's what I like, I brought up the Indian <laughs> It's ridiculous, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like I can, yeah, like lo- now like I can like logically, it's like more of like a logical feeling and then it like, that like, tr- so it's like something that like triggers and it's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to feel this. <laughs> it's like, it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. But it's it's definitely been like a, something I've like had to, to deal with. Like a very, 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 a lot of difficult stuff in my early 20s with it, but 
Can you yeah. tell me a little bit more about growing up? So you said you have three sisters, older yeah, or younger? I have, I have one older. She's a psychiatrist too. And uh, two younger. So, and then, yeah, and my mom and my dad. And what was it like um, growing up in, in your household? Uh, well, my, well, before my parents got divorced, we were like the normal family, you know, pretty normal stuff. Dad get home from work, hang out with him. Like my mom just stay at home, take care of the kids, big family. And then like one day my dad, like he had like a really good job. And he like, he's like, I'm going to, he told my mom, like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go like start my, I'm going to go start a business. And my mom's like, yeah, wait, you have like three kids. You can't do that. You know, like you have to like pay for everybody. Right. Like, and then uh, he's just like, well, screw this. I'm out. And he just like peaced out and like started his own business. And, uh, yeah. And then like, there was like a whole, like, you know, all the, like the divorce turmoil with that. And wait, so did the divorce, I thought you said both of your parents worked growing up. Yeah. So like after the divorce, like my mom's working full time. I see. And yeah. And then my dad's working full time. So it's like, and then we'd bounce back and forth between like who have custody of us and like, uh, you know, and when they come home from work, like they're just burnt out. They're like, my dad's like trying to make this, get this business off the ground. And my mom's like trying to work full time to like take care of like three kids. So it's like, I don't really have like that relationship with them, you know? How so, old were you when they got divorced? Um, I think I was like eight or nine probably. Yeah. And what was your understanding of why they got divorced? Uh, I, I understand what was going on at the time. I mean, I was young, but it's like, I don't understand like the, the, like I look back on it now. I can like. I try to put, you know, put myself in, in both of the people's shoes. It's like, why did my dad, you know, leave and do this? And like, try to think like why my mom, like what she was going through. Um, like, obviously I understand the situation better now, but it's like. What did you think at the time? At the time, uh, I think my dad, I think my, I mean, my, I, thought, I thought my dad was just like seeing some like woman or something like that, you know, like that's like how you always see like, you cheated on me, like that kind of thing, like on the movies and the shows and all that. But it's like, I kind of like more understand why, like why he did it and like why he left more. It's not just like something like that. So he, but it, when you say left, you're not talking about the job. He left his job and my mom like refused to let him quit his job. Right. Cause I see. yeah. And so they, they got in a big fight over that. And then they, my dad's just like, I'm going to do this no matter what. And he just ended up leaving to go do it. Got it. So... Yep. And but that's like an interesting thing is because like he's like putting himself before like his like kids as a relationship, all that kind of stuff. So it's like that's that something how, like it. Is that how you see it? Well, yeah, that's like uh, I mean, you could see it as like he's like trying to go like I can make more money in the future or I can feel more self-fulfilled. It's basically it's like uh, something where that person is like trying to self-fulfill, like find like a find like a new new purpose a different purpose you know what mm -hmm. i mean so have you ever talked to him about that yeah i talked to him about it my, my relationship with my, with my family is good it's not like there's no like bad blood or hurt or anything and like that what's your understanding of of after having talked to him how does he how, how did he kind of share what his experience of that was well i pretty much just said what i just told you now and then he's just like i mean Cause I don't want to like, just, I don't, I don't like just like going after people 
um, without like, I want to like try to uh, try to empathize and understand like their position before I'm just like, you know, screw you, man. Like that kind of thing. And so, and so like, I talked to him about it. Like I understand like why he did it. And it's like, but it's still like hurtful that, you know, he would put himself before like the three kids. Like if you make, you have three kids, like obviously you, you, you're responsible for them, you know, like, so, like you've accepted that you've accepted that responsibility. And it's like, basically you're like casting off that responsibility, like that life changing, uh, the, uh, experience of having kids and stuff. Um, you're basically just like running away from things, you know? Yeah. So, so. Brandon, I'm asking you, cause you're saying you try to understand, right? Yes. You try to understand other people's perspective. That's the goal, correct? Yes. So you're telling this story. Yep. In the story, he's the bad guy. I don't want to say he's a bad. I don't like the idea of bad guy or good guy. I, I, I understand. But the way that you're telling the story, I think that's the way he's coming across. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so, yes. so in an effort to understand, I'm asking you if you guys talked about it, what did he say? Um, I mean, he, he basically like confirmed what like kind of stuff I'm talking about right now. And obviously he's like apologetic and, um, and yeah, I mean, uh, it's like difficult to, to like understand like what a person is thinking. And he kind of talked about like feeling trapped and, uh, yeah. Cause like, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for people to get like trapped in their life situations and people try to escape in like all sorts of different ways. Sure. And this, this is you his know way all of, about that, right? Yes. So this is, this is his way of escaping. So. Yeah. yeah. What do you, th- what do you think about him feeling trapped? I mean, doesn't everybody feel trapped in life at some point? So I don't know what. I'm confused about how that statement relates to my question, right? So you're how do I feel? Something- how do I, I feel like it's like, it's understandable. That's that's how I feel about it. I mean, I I don't know. And that's interesting. That goes, I, I, that goes I, back I, to like the logic thing. It's like I, try- I don't. Yep. I'm going to pause you there for a second because I think you actually meant the exact opposite. Is it? Yep. So this is, so let's understand your communication, what you say and what your logical mind tells you and maybe what your emotional feeling tells you. So I asked you, how do you feel about him feeling trapped? And then you're like, doesn't everyone feel that way? And the interesting thing about that, if I really had to kind of like, if I had to put my money somewhere, what I'd say is that it doesn't like everyone deals with this shit. And like they all manage. So like he should have learned how to deal with it, too. I know it sounds kind of weird, but that's the emotion that that I got from you. Yes. And then when I ask you what you mean, you say, well, it's understandable. Whereas like actually what I'm hearing from you is like the exact opposite, that like he should have manned up and, you know, everyone deals with that. And like we all deal with it. Like he should have dealt with it, too. Yes, I can. Yes, I understand. You see how the logic and the the feeling are a little bit maybe different there? Yes, I can see. What do you um, think about that? Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just like wording it wrong. It's like, I, I don't say like I try to like validify like what he did, but it's like I'm trying to like understand like why he would do it. And it's not like I'm giving approval one way or another. It's just like, okay, I see why you did it. 
I don't think you should have done it, but it's like, I get it. Mm-hmm. That's like more like the interaction that's going on here. Yeah. So Brandon, let me know if I step, if I step out of line. Okay. Okay. So here's what I'm hearing from you. Okay. Here's what I'm noticing. You let me know what you think. Okay. So I'm hearing that you had some difficulty, like connecting to people, understanding people. Mm-hmm. And that you maybe spent some time escaping from unclear exactly what you're escaping from something like an addictive personality. And then you've actually like worked at it, right? Like you read philosophy, you studied things, you, you know, had mind altering experiences, you've engaged in relationships, you've done a lot of self-reflection, you joined the military, you've done a lot of things to try to grow as a person. And now you've gotten a lot better at understanding other people to the point where it sounds like you have an SO. So good job. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. hearing that you have relationships and things like that. So you've like learned and grown a lot when it comes to like developing empathy. You can cry now, right? Like that. Th- these are the things that you've you've leveled up. Fair? Yes. So interestingly enough, what I'm actually finding is like something kind of weird that's happening, which is that I, I think the next phase of what you need to understand is more internal as opposed to like understanding other people's points of view. Because that Mm -hmm. statement that you tossed out, I think, is a good example of where all of your lessons of empathy have actually are actually like reshaping some of your instinctive responses to be like. And then like blind you to your own experience of stuff. Mm. Oh, you you think I should be like more bitter towards like what happened or like more aware of like that feeling or like I, I understand what you're getting at, but it's like. Do you think that I should be like experiencing a more powerful feeling of like against like so we're just talking about the dad situation, right? You think I should be more like in tune with like feeling against like this or like with my feeling of like that I I like disagree with it or like what do you I, I think you should have more awareness of the way that you feel. Well, I'm definitely aware how I feel on it and I definitely disagree with it and I I'm aware that like all the trust me i'm aware of all like the turmoil that like the divorce brought me and like my family and my mom and my sisters and all that i'm definitely aware of that but it's like it's been it's it's such ancient history it's so long ago that it's like i feel like i'm a very forgiving person you Mm -hmm. know and i understand that like i'm not the same person today that i was yesterday and i'm not going to be the same person tomorrow you know that i am today and it's more like that I, it hurt, it hurt me, but it's like, I'm okay to like move past it. Sure. You know, that, that's more like what I'm like pushing at when I, when I say it like that. Yep. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely aware of like how much it hurt me. Yeah. So, so. Uh, you know, just to push back a little bit on that, Brandon, what you're saying makes perfect sense. Now we're going to get a little bit nuanced. Okay. So I think, okay. I, I think you've genuinely forgiven your father. I think yes. that, like you said, you, you know, you're not making him out to be an asshole. You can understand he felt trapped. Like, he sounds like he's a good dude. Like, we don't want to. And so that's why it's kind of weird, because I, I, I don't I think you've forgiven him. I don't know if you've moved past it. In what way? Well, just because of the way that you talk about it. Right. So, like, when you tell the story and this is why I'm asking you for stories, because I think you've got like a really good you've done a really good job of, like, constructing what you want to believe. Mm hmm. And you can tap into that. And at the same time, like when you tell the story, it like you make him sound like it's not the story is not like one of understanding. It's one of like, yeah, he kind of fucked up there. But he did. 
And yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, 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 and that's fine too. Right. And, and so it's interesting. It's, it's like weird. I think it's like, it's very subtle. So I, I, it's clear that you've done a lot of work. And so I think that like the more we learn about ourselves, like the higher we climb, right? Like in terms of our league. And then like you're at, you're at like challenger level now in terms of like self-growth and self-awareness. And I don't know about that, but I hope someday. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Because I'm still detecting a lot of emotion, essentially, that you carry with you. Yes. So I don't get the sense that you're at peace about it. Have you forgiven? Um, Yes. Do you live your life? Yes. I mean, it's not something that I guess it's like just not something I think about. Mm -hmm. It's like like I said, it's so long ago. Like I'm an I'm an old fart just like you. It's just it's it's too much of a lifetime ago, you know, and it's like I, I understand that like it shaped me as the person I am. And it's like, I don't want to say like. Maybe my, maybe I find resentment in like how it shaped me as a person in like my earlier years. More like maybe that's like what's coming through, but it's it's not like an active yep, thing I, that I'm like against. I, I get that. I, I don't I don't I'm not trying to demonize your dad or try to convince you that you hate him because I genuinely do think you're in a good place. I do hate him now. <laughs> you convinced me. I hate him now. <laughs> but I, I so tell me a little bit about um, what it was like after they got divorced and what it was like. Yeah. Uh, with the family. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, they would like take turns like custody. Like sometimes I think there was like one time like me and my older sister stayed with my dad for a couple of years and then like my little sisters would stay with my mom or like then like my mom would have like full custody of all of us and like they're like constantly fighting in courts about like random financial stuff and like they were literally like always going to court and always like always fighting and um yeah so like i pretty much just like deflected from all that i took up the the whole like just shut myself in my room and play video games all the time you know like i got starcraft i got a cable modem like let's go you know like I, and then i started interacting you, with peop- people people like on starcraft oz uh protoss nice yeah. yeah um but uh yeah so it's like i i had the, inter- the internet i had the internet like at a very early time like when it's in, like fledging state and i was like interacting with people on there and like making friends on there and basically using it as like that that world as like a, as a form of escape sure and so what were you escaping from? Just dealing with like my family, like fighting all the time. And just, I just like didn't, I guess I didn't know how to like process at all. And I just, and also like, I just really liked playing games. Like uh, I, I like the the puzzle solving aspect, you know, like hmm. I'm trying to like figure out how to, to, to solve this puzzle, like to win, like at all costs kind of thing. So... D- do you have a sense of, I mean, what, like, so you said uh, dealing with it. Do you, like, what was it like when you had to deal with it? What was it like to go to court and. I never went to court with them, but okay. like, you would always hear, I got to always hear about it. And then my parents would always be complaining about it, like, oh, your mom or your dad, or, and then like, and I would never see them half the time, anyways. It's like I said, they'd come home from work, they'd be like super tired. And I mean, I never really felt like I had like a, deeper meaningful conversations with my parents at any point like in my younger years you know mm-hmm. like not in like the way of like that i think like your normal person does like 
there was no birds and the bees conversation. You know, there's no like life conversations or anything like that. So like nothing like preparing me for anything like that kind of stuff. And I definitely feel like that kind of like carried over into, into like my interactions with people. And, you know, there was like no parenting going on there. You know, it's just like, well, uh, we fed you like, go have at it. Or like, we, you know, got your school supplies. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. What was it like so, to grow up without parents? Um, I mean, it's like I said, I just, it's just like figure it out on your own kind of thing. So, uh, and yeah, just, it's like definitely like trial and error kind of thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly sounds like a fair amount of error. <laughs> yeah. Fair amount of error. So <laughs> we got there. <laughs> and, and what, what was it like being in high school? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, high school. I would literally just stay up all night. I was, I was like a decent student. I was in like honors classes and all that mess. Um, but like, yeah, I was gifted, but not using it. So I would like, when I was in school, I would literally be asleep like 75% of the time. Cause I would just stay up all night and like play games. And, uh, yeah. And then, then I just came to a point where, like I said, like my parents are at work all the time. Like they would like, oh, are you going to go on the, the bus or like your friend would pick you up for school? And then one day I just like just stop going. And I just like, oh, I don't feel like going to school anymore. I just stopped going to school. And uh, that was like my senior year. I just like stopped going. And then they said like, all right, you know, you failed. You failed high, you failed high school. Uh, you have to like take this year over again. And then I just said, screw it. And I just got my GED and then started doing like the community college and all that. Do you remember how you felt? in senior year of high school? Uh, that was when I was playing World of Warcraft. And so I was just addicted as hell. Like, I was, I, you know, I just, that's all I wanted to do. Um, that's like the only thing that mattered to me. I was like real lost in the sauce. Okay. So I, I, yeah, I remember like I was dating this girl at the time. And this is when the game just came out. I was like, hey, I'm like the first level whatever hunter, 50 hunter on my server, you know? And I didn't talk to her or see her for like two weeks straight. I was like so lost in the sauce. She's just like, oh, that's nice. Like, I think we need to break up. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's just like, I just became like super lost in the sauce. Um, and then I let like all my like real world, like uh, I had like I had a small group of friends, but the friends just became like people that I just played the games with, you know? So like all my real world relationships like suffered like heavily because of it. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious during that time when you were lost in the sauce, as you put it, were you overwhelmed by thoughts of the future and past when you stepped out of the sauce? Oh, definitely. Like I didn't, I definitely wasn't enjoying school, and I didn't know like future wise what I wanted to do. I had like, you know, like that's like when the time when people are like, well, I'm gonna go major in this and gonna become this and that, and it's like I don't know what the hell I want to do, you know. And obviously I can't have that conversation with my parents because they're just like Mia. So it's just like, well, I'm just not going to deal with this. I'm going to go braid Blackwing Lair. You know? <laughs> so like, that's like, that was just like basically like what was going on. So those dragons yeah. ain't going to farm themselves. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, man. Yeah, exactly. Ragnaros yeah. isn't going to, isn't going to down himself. Had to do exactly. it for him. 
You got to pay the bills on Nazaroth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just kind of thinking about it a little bit, uh, I, I'm wondering, uh, Brandon, if like, so sometimes like, you know, when we think about kid who's not going to class at all, skipping classes, like sure, there's a certain amount of World of Warcraft escapism, but you know, the word depression pops into my mind when I hear about that situation. What do you think about that word? I want to say I was sad, but it's like you were sad or you weren't sad. I the only thing that bothered me in like that sense was that, uh, well, it's like we talked. I talked about earlier. Like I've had a very difficult time with empathy. So if I did have a real world friendship, it I didn't understand how to have the friendship in the sense of like getting the value out of it that like you should have from like a, a real friendship. Like, cause I didn't understand like the value behind like the shared experiences, um, caring about the other person, like deeply, you know, like their, their well-being, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, so because I didn't, I didn't have that, um, emotional and mental capacity at the time, it kind of like made those type of friendships like devoid of meaning for me. Hmm. And that's like, I don't want to say I was sad about it, but it's like, I felt like definitely something was missing there, you know? So you did feel like something was missing. Yes, yes. Hmm. And then so like because that thing is missing, uh, I would go like play WoW. And then it's like my value becomes like, oh, you're really good at doing DPS in this rage. So I want to, you know, like I want to have this person around or like, or like that person's funny, you know? Like that's how I'm creating. yeah, Yeah, I'm creating value to the people in like in that way, you know? So it's a it's a silly thing, but yeah. I don't think it's very silly at all. What, well, the whole situation is definitely silly. <laughs> What's silly about the situation? Uh, it's just like the way that you can, the way that I was like talking to another friend about this uh, recently. And it's like, he said he picked up all these uh, hobbies and like skill sets because he thought that like, that's how he would, he'd be useful to people. Like they would want him around, you know? And it's like, uh, and he, sa- he says he like still like carries that to this day. But it's like it detracts from like his real relationships with people because it's like in the back of his mind, it's like, oh, this person maybe wants me because like I'm good at music or like I can fix this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, he's, that's always something in the back of his mind. Yeah. So that's another one of those statements that I think you say to mean one thing, but I'm in, in hearing a different interpretation. What, what do you, Which is what do you that mean? The acquisition of real life skills makes potentially your relationships based on shallowness and what you can bring to the other person well no like that's what he's telling himself like he it's not actually Ah, true okay okay yeah it's not actually true but but like that's how he feels yeah yeah and whereas in your case i mean i i I didn't think that i didn't think that was silly at all because in your case what i'm hearing is a you know a kid who doesn't have value in the real world and you get to be someone that people want to be around and who care about you and want you to show up every day because, yes, like, yes. you know, when you don't go to class for a week, like, what do the teachers do? Uh, I mean, when I was this show, I just sleep. So they just like left me alone. <laughs> right. So like and- when. When you did not hold up to your responsibilities, who cared? Exactly. Nobody cared. And then it in wow. When you misclick and, you know, I don't know what hunters do that could wipe a raid, but you know, when you don't pull properly or whatever, like they care, right? Like people care 
either in a good way yes. or a bad way. But I'm hearing that you were like, I, I can see that your presence was noted in some way. Yes. Whereas like if when you went to school, like you might, I mean, they might as well have been robots, like for as much as people seem to notice or give a shit. Yes. I, I can definitely see what you're talking about. Did you act out at all? Uh, when I was in middle school and elementary school, like when the divorce and stuff was first happening, I was like very class clown, kind of just always just saying random stuff and trying to make people laugh. Like that was like my value that I, that's why I like mentioned value before is like, I, I, I kind of mentally noted that as like, it's like, why did I do that? It's like, cause I'm looking for a way of giving value to people. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the way that like, that basically became like the interaction. It's like, I'd make people laugh. So it's like, that was like my purpose. I don't know. But then, yeah, it's like once I got into games, I'm like sleeping all the time. So I can't even do that. Yeah. So, yeah. And so what about the Ice Poseidon interview kind of like resonated with you? The class clown thing. Okay. And then like he was talking about how he had like Asperger's and stuff. And like just a lot of the is this. I mean, I've like read up on this type of stuff before. Like I, I genuinely think that like most professional gamers are, have been are on the spectrum in some way, like in the sense of like the way that like obsessive behavior, like, and, uh, and a lot of them have like empathy issues. A lot of them, a lot of like them miss like social cues, like social cues are really hard. And like this all can develop in like some way, shape or form. Right. So it's definitely something of like, I like I've noted of myself and like other people I've interacted with like throughout the years. And it's, and it's like something that I don't know if it's like learned behavior. It's like, I missed out on the ability to like learn about this stuff from like previous points in my life or it's because it's something I was born with, but it's definitely like something I've had to like adjust and deal with. Um, and yeah, and that's like, I guess like the parallels that like that was like pulling from that. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, my take on that, it's something I I think about a lot. I've also worked with a fair number of pro gamers. Um, You know, my money's actually more on the learned behavior part. So while it's Mm -hmm. possible that like, you know, all the pro gamers out there are on the autism spectrum or a fair number of them, I, I think that especially with, so the confusion around empathy and building social relationships, that Mm -hmm. symptom has multiple diagnoses that can lead to it. Yes. Being on the spectrum is one of them. But I think that like, I know for myself, like, I I don't know. I mean, I certainly wasn't very empathic as a, you know, like in high school and stuff. And I was fucking confused when it came to college. Like, I didn't know how to talk to a girl. I didn't really know how to make friends. Like my friends in high school, like the reason I made friends with them is because none of us knew how to make friends with anyone else. Yeah. Right. That's, like, that's why I mentioned it's like, I don't know if it's like a learned. Be- like, yep. In my, in both of our instances, it could be learned behavior. It could be something like, in my case, so, I'm like born with, but it could be like a mixture of both. Like, yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think that there's, there's enough consistency. And if you look at the statistics around like how common autism is or some being on the autism spectrum, you know, I, I'd guess that this is a pattern that is, so autism is in the minority of the population. Mm-hmm. Playing video games is now in the majority of population. Definitely. And having social difficulties and difficulty with empathy is also in the majority of gamers. 
Yep. So just looking at that, at that statistically, it makes me lean towards things like, um, so like, you, you know, I, like, let me just share like an, a theory that I have for lack of a better, I, I'm just going to toss this out. Hopefully it'll illustrate the point. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. So when we form online relationships, so like, like, I guess this is why gamers are socially anxious. Okay. So when we form online relationships, we tend to form like there are parts of our brain that govern like empathy and like, you know, understanding social cues and things like that, that actually like get rusty. Because when I talk to you on Discord, like I don't see your face. I don't understand your body language. I get a little bit of tone. So I spend a lot of time playing video games. And there's also like a set of um, things in the game that make me know whether I'm valued or not. Right. Like if I'm crushing mid, like I know that people are going to like me. Right. Like yes. it's 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 easy. Like I understand what my value is in this given situation. I also don't have to deal with like facial expressions and stuff like that. Also, games tend to be like really, really logical. So what happens is like it, when I interact with people online, it seems to be easier because my brain sort of knows how to do that. And then what happens when gamers go and like they interact with real people is like something weird happens. So generally speaking, the regular humans automatically their brain interprets things like body language and tone and like other kinds of things that reassure the regular human. The problem with the gamer is that all of those circuits have been like turned off for a while. So we yeah. are not able to be reassured by like the signals that are like other human brains are able to be reassured by. And so what we do in our minds is fill it in with logical processing. So then it becomes a problem to be solved. And we're like hyper analyzing every interaction. So since the emotional part of our brain is not able to like interpret a signal of like, you know, if someone, you know, like invites me, like we just can't process all of these like empathic signals. So instead, mm -hmm. what we do is we become hyper anxious, which is like overly logical re reasoning into all of these different random things. And the problem is that, you know, logical processing is just not a good way to interpret bodily signals. It's like how you get into all this kind of, you know, weird, like dating pickup artists, like if the girl does this, it means it's like all this. It's, it's a logical construction that's a substitute for a far better empathic circuit that is like rusty. What do yeah. you think about that? I can agree with that. And uh, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And I'll just like, uh, I'll, I guess I'll like to talk about experience. So yeah, like, I'd love to hear that. Okay. So we had uh, like one of our teams, like Counterlogic Gaming, you know, we're the, we're the turbo sweaty nerds. And uh, we ended up going off to Korea to like play in this tur this uh, couple month long tournament. So we're all living together. Right. And so we're living together for months and it's like these, there's like major issues of like fighting all the time. Like, and that's like why I bring up like the social cue thing is it's not just like restricted to like online, but it's like when we are in, 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 in person, it's like literally we like can't even like process each other. You know, it's like, we're just a bunch of like malfunctioning robots. Like, yeah. So it, it's, it's like, I feel like it, it probably does talk a lot about like what you're saying where it's like our, we've been online so long and like we've had those relationships online and we know how to interact online now like once we're in person and there's like the 
the, the cues and stuff, like the facial expressions, the body language, all that kind of stuff. Like that's like out the window, right? And yeah. And then, then I, me- I remember like at the end of the trip, like after we got done with the tournament, one of the like the players on the team, they're like, what we need to do now is like, we need to go back and get a gaming house and live with each other. It's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like after all that kind of stuff. So it's just, I mean, and then I've seen it like I've, you know, coached teams and been around teams for a long time. You see like all these other gamers like living with each other. And I feel like a lot of them like can't process like dealing with each other in any or like any situation. And it's like, I don't know. I've just like seen it too much, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting because I've seen a lot of it, too. It's it's amazing how much uh, how long of a way a little bit of instruction goes. So there's data that supports. So like they did a good uh, a trial on, I think, like 12,000 students from grade one to 12, maybe. What? What? Yeah, you Nothing. seem like you're thinking something funny. No, I just glanced over at chat. And somebody's oh. like, nopers. <laughs> um, anyway. So so there, there's data that shows that if you take, I think they did a trial where they took 12,000 students and 6,000 of the students were taught social and emotional skills training as a class, like in addition to history and mathematics and things like that. The interesting thing is that if you teach people how to like interact with each other, it's worth one letter grade. So their, okay. their, their GPA actually goes up by 1.1 points. Like okay. This is something that would never happen in America, right? Is this class this in America? Tri- trial that was done in America. I think it was done in America. Okay, okay. This doesn't sound like America. It doesn't sound like America, <laughs> but it. I, I think the trial actually was in America. I'd have to find the reference again, but I, I think it was done here. Okay. Um, maybe Europe. But it's interesting because when I, you know, when I work with esports teams, it's like we'll we'll like spend some time like learning how to communicate, and boy, does it help. Um, you know, the, the sample size is still relatively small, but I would love to do a study that actually the problem is that there's so much variability in performance, you know, in terms of like tournament placement. There are so many factors that it's hard mm-hmm. to say that this is responsible for an improvement. But well, I, I, a lot of a lot of teams have like mental coaches and like psychologists and a lot of a lot of people that are like, do it. it's definitely come a long way since like when I yep. was playing. So it's definitely it's there. People know about it. So, yeah. And it's 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 crazy to see like how far a little bit of education goes and like processing and and teaching people like how to communicate and recognize each other's like issues, how it really brings a team together. It's it's been interesting to see that. But um, yeah, so it sounds like you were. Can you tell me a little bit about the the Navy and how you decided to do that? Uh well, I was going to community college at the time. All my friends had like moved off to like go to state school. Um, and so I like didn't have any friends at the time, like in the area. And like all I, the only people I'd hang out with was like online playing games. And I was going to like do the two years and then go to like state school, like do like transfer program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like really because it just felt like high school to sequel, you know, where it's like I got to go and I got to do these stupid classes. And then I like just play games all night and mm. it's literally just like, I'm just carrying out the same experience, except this time I don't have my IRL friends to like help me deal with it, you know? Mm. So one day I just like saw a pamphlet when I was like walking out of class and yeah, they got me, man, the brainwash. And, yeah. and I just like, I was like, 
All right, I want to change my life dramatically. I'm like, so I just got to get out of here, right? And I just told my my mom, like, I'm going to go. I signed up for the Navy. Like, I'm, I'm going to leave in a month. And I just went off to boot camp and... How did, how did definitely your mom take a, it? Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't going... I wasn't, like, being in the Army or Marines. I'm not, like, going off to, like, shoot people. Like, my job was... You know, I was more on the technical side. So she was like, at first, she was like, not going to explain to her, I'm like, this is what I'm going to be doing. And she's like, oh, okay, like, just be careful, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, yeah, then I went off in the military, which is definitely an interesting experience. Like, there's a lot of crazy people in, in the military in like some way, shape, or form. Uh, and it's, you definitely experience like people from all walks of life. Uh, and you're like kind of forced in this like jumbled mess together. And yeah, and I got to travel a lot, which is a good experience. You know, I got to like experience a lot of different cultures and uh, a lot of life experiences. Um, but it was definitely extremely stressful. It was probably like most stressful experience of my life. Just What was stressful? What was stressful about it? You have no. OK, let's say. I'd be like, hey, you need to go here tomorrow or whatever. And so you can't say no. Or like, you need to do this. You can't say no. So like, basically, no matter what, you have to do like whatever's happening or going on or what's saying. Like, you have no control over your life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you're at the, the whim of other people. And the military doesn't have a lot of smart people. Or there's smart people in there. But there's a lot of people in the military that are just in there in their position because of time. They're like, well, I've been in here for a lot of years. And it's like, oh, no, this guy's in charge of me. And it's like, yeah, like that kind of stuff. So wow. it's just, yeah, it's it's a zoo for sure. Um, and then it's all the normal stuff. Like you have to like train for like combat and like, yeah. The what, one thing in the, in the Navy, you get like gas chambered, whatever. You have to like get, you get tear gas and... Like I was, I was, a bunch of stuff like that. Like, and then boot camp is really stressful. Um, stressful just, you know, is, the, is not a word that I usually hear used to describe boot camp. Like mental sucks. turmoil. <laughs> like what? 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 Can you help me understand that? What was? What's the turmoil in boot camp? Like I've heard it's hard, but usually when I it, think like stress, I think like paying bills at the end of the month, or maybe I'm well, going to get kicked out of college, or. Like I think about stress. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So when you fuck up, they do what's called beating you where they just like work you out into the ground to where it's like literally the only way that they'll they'll stop you from working out is you get carried away in an ambulance and then you get charged for the ambulance or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, so like, yeah. And it's like, I don't want to have that happen. It can be, they'd like beat you over like random stuff. Like this button isn't button this in many centimeters to like this degree. All right, we're going to beat you for three hours. And it's like, no, wow. <laughs> it's like so messed up. That does yeah. sound quite traumatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and you can't say no, like you have to do it or also like discharge you. It's just like, it's just random stuff like that. And then, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And so that's like on top of like the, the training you're going through already. Hmm. So, yep. So it sounds like no control over your life and getting like arbitrarily punished. 
Yeah, pretty that much. sounds. So they, they call it, they call it like breaking people down so they can build them back up. It's like, all right, you you broke everyone down like pretty good here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And did that prepare like, you? Yeah, go ahead. You ever seen the movie Full Metal Jacket? Uh, kinda yeah, like, I think so like many, that. many, many years ago. I don't really remember yeah. much about it. But, but it's just like collectively, like everyone like beating. It's just like beating people down until they're like. And some people don't deal with it like very well. So, yeah, that kind of thing. But anyway, it's going on. No, what does we, that we mean? Do some, some people don't deal with it well. What what do they? Well, the guy, the, the guy in the movie ends up committing suicide. So, okay. like, the military has, like, an enormous, like, that. more people die of suicide in the military than combat or anything like that or of anything else. Like, the suicide rate is insanely high. Like, I've known, like, so many people to commit suicide in the military. And, like, that's something you have to deal with, too. It's like, these guys can't deal with it. And they're, like, checking out. Like, these are people, like, that are like on my ship with me like they're like how am i like how am i dealing with this you know it's like oh my god yeah yeah so hey, you're dealing you know with that it, like statistic is actually true that more people in the military die of suicide than combat i'm pretty sure that's still true like a non and not during non-combat times is, is definitely true so like literally every other week we'd have like some suicide prevention training or some like talk about yeah it was just like always like being talked about so did it help well in the military it's like you're basically just it's like one of those things like you have to go to this class like it's just another thing you have to do you mm. know what i mean and it, and the people that are instructing it are like it's like i said the people that are in charge of you are probably not the smartest people or like emotionally developed people so you have like bubba gump senior lpo whatever like all right guys now you think about killing yourself don't all right you know we're gonna sit in this class for an hour now like it's like yeah it's 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 just like people people that are not qualified to be talking about this stuff like trying to help you deal with this stuff you know you know it's it's funny i'm noticing an interesting connection so on wednesday we actually had the mods from live stream fails yeah kind of talking about reddit's like mental health support dm bot oh god that's pretty much yeah that was what that was what's going on pretty much so so i'm hearing like this theme like i didn't think that you know there'd be anything relating to your interview and and their interview that would be connected and the thing that connects it is like it seems like there are a lot of organizations out there that check a box in terms of oh this is a problem let's do something Let's do something that allows us to say that we're doing something about the problem. Exactly. That's pretty much what's gone down. And instead like, of doing something, yeah. It's like, did you fill out the pamphlet, the check that I didn't, it's like, you don't want to kill yourself. It's like, all right, nice. Work here is done. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I worked at a, a prison that had a very interesting approach to suicide prevention. What did um, they do? They punished people for being suicidal. So if you uh, kind of get evaluated and you're suicidal, they essentially put you in solitary confinement with like paper clothing. They give you like a paper gown so you can't like hang yourself. There's no fucking way you can hang yourself because there's one person watching like six cells. Um, mm-hmm. And and so they just like stick people in there and then they get like periodically evaluated and as they, long were, as they were better afterwards, right? They got yep, fixed. Yep, yep, yep. And I was the fixed one doing them. the evaluations. So yeah, it, it was like, time. are you are you not suicidal, or do you want to stay another day by yourself with no TV, nothing to do, 
24 hours of solitary confinement for your own safety. And it was yep. it was terrifying, uh, but this also eye opening. This is America. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't even know how much like as much as we bash America, like things are actually pretty good here compared to most places in the world. Oh, um, agree. Agree. But we still got some weird problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Brandon, how are you feeling about this conversation? Because I'm kind of noticing like I'm really enjoying hearing like your experiences and stuff. But I, I, I just want to check in with you about, you know, whether this is a good use of our time or you wanted to talk about something else or. I feel good. And I mean, my main purpose on coming onto the show is like, obviously, I wanted to talk about some of my things and I've never done therapy before or anything like that, like in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I and I know this isn't like therapy, but it's like talking to somebody that does therapy. And it's like, I feel like I've been, I've been through a lot of stuff and I've like messed my life up in a lot of ways and I learned from it. And I hope to like share that with people and like help other people in that sense. Yeah. That's really awesome. I, I mean, not that you messed your life up, but that you're trying to help other people. And out of curiosity, anything keep you from doing therapy or trying it or? Uh, no, I just, uh, I like tinkering with the cogs myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I've done it in like a bunch of different ways. Like obviously in like the ways we're talking about earlier, with, like psychedelics and, uh, that kind of stuff too. And it's just, I feel like that, that has, that actually helped me a lot. Like, so it's like, that's working for me. So it's like, I'm just going to keep going with that. And like, I'm going to mentally, I feel like I'm in a good place right now. True. Sure. Yeah. And, um, so did you want to talk about like focus or, or like, you know, how your oh, mind works? Okay, that's the topic. Like- yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, the focus thing kind of like goes with, uh, I guess like when I first started, uh, being a pro gamer, like I could get in this like hyper-focused state. Right. And like, I'd be like dialed in. And then I think like uh, over the years, it's like, I was like drinking and like smoking and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I would like, uh, have like a blip, like my brain would like randomly like lag, like a computer, you know, I, I would like, oh and I would just, I would jump out of that hyper focus state and it'd be like in a game and I just like randomly run it down, you know, I just like die in the game or something. just, and it could be like anything. And then I find my, and then eventually I found like myself having like those moments in like real life where it's like, I'd be focused in on something and then it's like my brain lags and it's like, it just, I don't know. It's like when your computer lags or like you get like pink spike. It, it's like almost that same experience. So mm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure really. It's just, and I, I, I don't, and obviously I've like read about it and like talked about or talked to people about it. It's like, and it's always like, cause there's like, you need to practice mindfulness or like, um, like be in the moment more to like, yeah, it's because it's like that lag is like your brain trying to get at something else, like subconsciously, right? Or like moving into like another. Is it? I, I don't know. Well, I think I think it is. Is like it could be like something random, like uh, like I'm focused in on the game or like this conversation I have with somebody, and then my brain could like random subconsciously try to go off into something of like the past or the future or like something that's like in the back of my mind, you know, like I'm, I could be worried about or, or anything. Like at least that's my understanding of like what's going on. Is, and is it's it, just, 
in terms of what breaks your hyper-focused state? Yeah, it's, well, I don't, it's like hard for me to focus anymore like that, but it's, it's like, yeah, it's like something is put like snapping me out of it, you know, like, right. I like lose that focus and I can't, and I feel like it's like been deteriorating over time, you know, that's, you know, like, well, it's not in like, uh, well, you know, like people say that, uh, this gamers 22, he's past his prime for being a pro gamer, you know, like that kind of thing. I think that it's not that, um, you know, they're like, your fingers don't work anymore, all that kind of stuff, and, like, as a player ages. I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's more like, I think all, like, high-level gamers can, like, reach that focus state, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with, in their earlier age, like, the their number one main priority and, like, the thing that they're thinking about and all they care about is, like, that game, right? And it's like, as you go through life, more things like you start to care about more things than the game like the other things start like to come into the picture right and i think that it's your brain like subconsciously like thinking about those other things that like pulls you out of that state and i think i feel like that's why like a lot of pro gamers like get bad or get worse as as they get older it has nothing to do with like hands or like ability or anything like that it's that it's that focus level and like I, I see, you know, a lot of people um, that are like older and in the same, but it's like I see that same. I see that they they still have that same focus level, you know. Like they can still like dial it in. Like that's why they're like able to like keep doing it. Hmm. Interesting. Can I just think about that for a second? Yeah, go for it. So you're saying that as the scope of your life expands your mind is less able to focus on video games because it's not yes. like monolithic. It's not one dimensional. So your mind yeah, has other. Uh, and I don't think that's the same for everybody, but I feel like that's what started happening to me. And I've seen definitely seen it happen like with a lot of like other like people in the scene that ended up retiring or like falling off. It's like their brain is like pulling them away. Like they could be worried about like school or, or not, not school, like job kind of stuff or like relationship or, you know, any of the normal like life stuff. And it's like those things instead of just before they were like way like in the back. It's like and then the game is like way up here, like as far as like value and meaning. And it's and then they eventually start to come up. So, I mean, we do have a good understanding of like how to attain that hyper focused state from like a neuroscience and and level like um it'd be really interesting to look into the mechanisms of why professional gamers are young um i I think league of legends and and dota uh are good example dota especially is like a good example of like the top tier teams all like tend to have like old captains like Mm -hmm. way older than most esports Dota, I, I don't know too much about like what what would you say is the average lifespan of a League of Legends player? Like a professional. And now like three to four years stops. And maybe like five to six if they're like super elite. Yeah, so I, I think Dota feels longer than that. So if you look at some top I mean the average may actually be closer to like two to four years, but there are there are a lot of like professional Dota players that have been playing some form of but, MOBA competitively for like close that, to, yeah. Well, that also has to do with player population. 
So like as the game has like a larger pl- player population, there's more people that can come and buy for that spot. And Interesting. It, beca- it becomes like far more competitive. So like, you know, I'm sure like you're aware of like everybody prepares like uh, Western games, gaming to like, you know, mm-hmm. Korea, China, all that. And you look at their rank populations, they're like far, they're, you know, two to three, like way, even like more, way more than that, like times the population. So as there's like a larger population to like buy for your spot, like the bar gets raised, like, you know, keeps, keeps getting raised. And Dota, Dota has like, I think it's like the same like community still playing the game. Yeah. Like obviously there's like some new players that trickle in, but it's like that new player has to fight against like multiple years of experience to like break in, right? And Dota is a very complex game too. So it's like, you have to learn all that cumulative knowledge and then you also have to like catch up and then progress like beyond that person, right? Yeah. So, and the same can be said for like tr- traditional sports too. So, so yeah. So, I mean, or, or, and I'm, I'm hearing you say that like, you think that a lot of your hyper-focus has gotten harder as you've started to care about other things. Yes. It definitely. I, I definitely can't hang in like League or any of those games anymore. <laughs> and what keeps you from hanging? The inability to gain hyper focus? Yeah, like being that di- like before I could like dial myself in. I could I could play for like 20 hours straight. Like in I would be like in. I'd be like in the zone the whole time, you know? And uh I talked to like some other doctors about this like for some like summit like a while ago. And there we're talking kind of like about the difference, you know, like a traditional sport. I can't click a button at two o'clock in the morning and get into a game of like NFL football, mm-hmm. you know, with all the other players. Right. But a game like a video game, I can click a button at two o'clock in the morning and I can be at people in a, like a full fledged game with people relative to my skill at like any time I want. Right. So you have limitless amount of like training time. And the only thing holding you back is your ability to be focused in that training time. So that's like, that's what you're, com- that's what you're fighting against. And there's people that will like keep pushing that boundary, like keep pushing it. Yeah. So that, that's where I, I totally, I've gotten that as well. I, so I trained at a place that had this, you know, the, the sports psychologists and psychiatrists for the new England Patriots and the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to it was a, a good professional opportunity to be able to work with those folks and and talk to them about what their experience of working with these like, you know, top tier sports organizations are definitely there. You know, one of the interesting things that came up was this idea that like you can only practice football for like four hours a day. Yeah, you literally. Yeah, there's like yeah. a physical limitation that there's clearly a diminishing return after like four hours of practice a day, let's say. And, and so, you know, sports organizations will do all kinds of things like hot tubs and, and these magnetic machines and massages and stuff like that to try to get their players to like practice for four and a half hours. Right. Cause if you can like heal the body a little bit faster, it gives you a power up. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and, and, but in, in esports, like I still remember one of my earliest engagements, which I guess is still under NDA, is with a particular sport that I was actually working for the company that runs the sport, owns the game and, and talking to their. Um, so they had like an event where a lot of their all their teams were basically there. And so I was there and talking to the coaches and it was interesting to hear that they were saying like, yeah, like, you know, we can 
there's no physical limitation to the to how much you play. Now, the interesting thing that we kind of got into was whether eight hours of playing pubs or 12 hours of playing pubs, like whether those extra four hours of playing pubs actually does anything to improve your skill. This goes back to focus. Like if it's focus practice, it'll do something. But like that's what I think. That's the when you notice like a true super elite like person in gaming, it's the focus thing every time. Like you like Bjergsen, you had him on the show, right? Like he is like focused all the time when he's playing. Like it's like there's a difference between just I'm gonna queue up 20 hours in a row and just like autopilot and like that's what a lot of people do, right? That's the difference between like the real elite and the and it's being able to reach that. Hmm. And it, it's like, I felt it's like, there's a point where I could reach that before. I just can't do it anymore. And it's like, I felt it just slipped away from me. And it's like, yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, it was definitely difficult to deal with at the time. Cause it's like, I was really good at, and this is like on top of all the stuff we talked about before. It's like my value was that I was really good at this game. Right. And then I was in the, I got thrown into like the limelight and all that. And, uh, you know, I, had, I was like streaming, like as like people like, li- you know, liked me and all that. Um, same thing like any of these other like streamers deal with. And it's like, and then I feel my ability like slipping, right? I'm like my ability to be focused. And it's like, I feel like my value is slipping, you know? And like, this is before like I had built like all, like the, dealt with like the empathy, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it was definitely like very tough for me to deal with at the time. How did and you deal with it? Not very well. <laughs> uh, Do you remember what, what kind of thoughts you would have in your head? I was just like very unstable, like both emotionally and like mentally. So like the stress is also kicking in too, right? You have like the stress on top of like not knowing what, cause like uh, you're like all in. Like if you, if you're going to be like a pro gamer, you're all in, right? You have to, you commit to it fully. So it's like, I'm dealing with the stress from that where it's like, fuck, now I'm going to go back to school. Like, what am I going to do? Like all the, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it's like, also you've alienated a lot of like your relationships that you've had, like both like friendship significant otherwise to like put this game as a priority. Right. And so it's like the thing that you put as like your priority is like slipping, like you're, you're like not able to like do it, you know? So it's like very tough to like come to terms with. So, yeah. Do you remember what kind of thoughts you would have? Um, just stress, like more so like, well, like, what am I going to do? Like, how can I fix this? Uh, that's when I, I started reading about like, you know, sports performance, psychology, all that. That's like when I started getting to that, like philosophy. It's like, I'm going to do like anything I can to like try to like get this state back. But it's like, like nothing I could do like could get me back. And I think it's just because I like lost that like obsession with the game. You know, and, and instead of doing it because I like really, really enjoyed it, I was doing it just because like, this is my habit. I'm like playing this game because like this is, and it's the same as like anything I did, like drinking, smoking, all of It's like, I'm doing this and trying to keep doing this because like, this is what I do, you know? Yeah, I'm also hearing, a, so I think what also shatters the focus is you used to do it out of potentially passion for the game. Yeah, I love the game. And, and what I'm hearing is that you started doing it to hold on as opposed yeah. to love for the game. Exactly. It's a job. It becomes a job. Yeah. I mean, it becomes a job for everybody like that gets into pro. 
Well, I think I think it's the attachment to like holding on that I think actually negatively impacts the focus and may create a vicious cycle. That the yeah. longer the the more you try to hold on, the harder it becomes to like enter the flow state of mind of like hyper focus because yes. you're trying to like grab something from the past. And as as we started off with, you know, being in the present is better. I think, and, and when you're hyper-focused, I'd assume that you'd call that a present-focused state, like you're in the present at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the flow state. That's, yeah. uh, that's like an interesting thing to read about, too. It's like everybody's always trying to reach the flow state. Yeah, so I, I think that's that also is where, like, you know, it's interesting you were saying that there are the more things that you care about or the wider the scope of your your life, the harder it is to get into the state of hyper-focus. So it's been my experience that... Sometimes when I work with a team, there's like emotional bad blood that needs to be worked through and like occupies like your subconscious RAM. And like the more that your subconscious RAM, it's like all this, like all these process, old processes from tournaments long past that are just like minimized into the system yep. tray. And that as you work through that stuff and you start closing down those processes, you kind of apologize, forgive, or even own that I will never forgive you for this. Interestingly enough, they start to play better. The focus starts to return. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to have a happy ending, but you do have to do some amount of emotional processing and like close all that crap that you've got minimized. Yeah. And when I played, there was like no coaches. There was like nobody supporting you on that stuff. So it's like, it's like, well, go deal with it yourself. You know? <laughs> so, this is definitely tough. Yeah, go deal with it yourself sounds like the story of your life, Brandon. Fun times. That's yeah, we good though. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting, right? Because that's like, you know, I'm hearing that that's what happened growing up. I'm hearing that's what happened in the military. I'm hearing, you know. That's what happened when you were a professional law player. And I'm hearing that maybe the reason you're happy is because you're not dealing with it, with it yourself anymore. Uh, well, no, I'm still like, yeah. Like, uh, oh, I'm happy because I'm not dealing with myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharing experiences like the yeah. stuff we stopped over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't really talked about what that means, but I've noticed you use the phrase sharing experiences many times. And what I'm doing is like make I'm equating those two things that okay. there's there's brandon that did it himself and had to mm. do it himself which i think it's reasonable for you to have some degree of sadness towards regret about feels bad man sad yeah. you know and then there's brandon who now isn't isn't solo queuing anymore not solo queue anymore we're in the flex queue <laughs> what does flex queue mean uh, it's this like pretty much just like you just team up with your friends and like mm. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any questions for me, Brandon? No, I'm good. I'm fine. I think I talked about a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I mean, there's like a bunch of stuff I could go into, but probably don't have time. So it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of try to, you know, we usually do this for about two hours at a stretch, like somewhere around there. Um, no, this is good. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, and you know, if you have questions or things that you want to talk about, we still have time. It's just, you know, I, I want to be call attention, you know, just be aware of like, 
what this you know how how long is this game of lol gonna last yeah yeah, yeah. um hmm let's talk about i mean it, i I still feel like a lot of these things like carry over into like my like I say I'm good now, but I, like still a lot of these things like carry over and it's like still things like I'm like constantly tinkering with and like like what? Uh, just like relationships with people or like uh, mm, like uh, like like friendships. Like it's still like because of like my past experiences, the the concept of like what a friendship is is still like even to this day something I'm like figuring out you know what i mean and i'm like i'm a grown man you know and it's like i'm still figuring that out to this day you know can you give so. me an example of what you're what you're figuring out or a situation in which it's clear that you haven't figured everything out yet ah mm. uh, how to explain it it's like i feel like uh i, I feel like uh even my close friendships are like at an arm's length, you know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how to, ex- to really explain that. It's like, uh, I think it's more like to do with like how people are in like modern times. Like, I don't want to say modern times, but like, uh, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. Like it's, yep. So like, I feel Brandon, like that Brandon, the, here's the, Here's the problem. I think you're trying to piece it together. So you're speaking in abstractions. And my instinct is that if you want to understand this better, stop speaking in abstractions. Because you're trying. Yeah. I'm trying to find like an exact like instance. It's more so like I feel like my friendships should be closer than they are. Okay, good. That's a good statement. But like with the amount of effort I put in. But I don't. That's the thing. I don't actually don't put that much effort in. Actually, I'm lazy. (laughs) Yeah. So so it's like I, I, I would like to have like closer friendships with people, but I feel like it's like, I'm so used to being by myself, you know, that it's like difficult for me to, to match like people's effort in, uh, yeah, you know? So we're gonna, we're gonna try to speed run this. Okay. Okay. Go, 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 go. So I think there's <laughs> a lot of value here. I think it's really important to talk about. I don't want to leave the conversation without giving it a shot. Okay. Go for it. All right. So the first thing is, so you feel like your relationships are closer than they should, should be closer than they are. That even the people you consider close friends, you kind of keep at arm's length. Yes. So when I say that to you, I'm seeing emotion in your face. Yes, yes. Okay. So what what am I saying that's triggering something in you? Um, basically, uh, I'll just like summarize that can be exact. Basically, I'm so used to being alone in my life and like on my own, doing my own thing, like figuring out my own shit that even when I do have people in my life that like want to share experiences, I can't even like process it, you know, because I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like in my mind, it's like, I'm too used to being on my own, you know? Um, so like, I can't like. I can't like process like that friendship. You what know? does that mean? You can't process that friendship. It's like there could be a moment where I'm supposed to be close to that person. And I still like, I feel like it's like alien, you know, it's like, I shouldn't, it's like, I feel like I shouldn't be feeling this. And you know, what should you be feeling or what, what are you feeling that you shouldn't be feeling? Or it's like, I feel like I should be closer with them like in those moments, you know? I feel like I should be feeling closer. 
but it's like, I'm so used to being alone, like feeling alone and like dealing with shit on my own that I don't know how to like mentally and like emotionally, like go through that with that person to like connect that moment, you know? It's like, uh, I didn't read the, I didn't read like friendships for dummies, you know? So I didn't read that book. I'm hearing that you don't know how to be a friend. Yes. I feel like, like I don't, I see like other people's friendships and it's like, I feel like, what it's do you like, see? Oh, I should, I should like, I feel like, like the way they spend time together, all that. Like I have a good, a good friend group. Like, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of friends, but it's like, I don't feel like that it's at, I don't feel like our interactions are like at, uh, it's like not a, like, I don't feel like a, the closeness is there, like, as it should be, you know? And I think it's like my fault, you know? Okay. What makes you think it's your fault or what's your fault in this? Cause, um, I'm like, my brain is like off in its own world all the time or like, uh, the social cue thing or like, I'm here. Still different. You, still, you feel still difficult deficient. Yeah. I feel deficient. It's just because it's like first 25 years of my life. I'm like not doing this. Right. So and I want like, you to, Brandon, you, you yeah. got to learn how to stop doing this thing. Sometimes I'll ask you a question and you'll give me an answer and then you'll give me an explanation. Okay, okay, okay. What we need is if you want to make progress here, forget about everything after the word because. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Right? So like when you feel a particular way, like if I ask you, do you feel deficient? What does your mind do? Tries to explain. My mind tries to explain why I'm deficient. Yep. Like I try to come up with like a logical reasoning of it. Yep. Right. But that sort of doesn't. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that I don't think that that's where the work you need to do is. Yes. So. I know this sounds kind of weird, but like. What is it like? <clears throat> what? Why do you think that your mind does that? The explaining? Yeah. I mean, that's just who I am as a person. Like when I'm playing a game, I'm like trying to logically figure it out, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Or I like, do anything. I'm like trying to logically figure it out to come to a conclusion. Like I'm trying to beat the game. Yep. And these, these friendships are a game almost yep. in the way it's like, I'm trying to beat the game of friendships. Yep. Very well said. It's who you are. And that's what needs to change. Because you've been trying to beat the game of friendships for a while. So I think we got to teach you a different way. Can I think for a second? Go for it. I'm glad you mentioned this, by the way. What should your relationships be like? Mm. Uh, I feel like, uh, hmm. I see like some friends have like, they're like literally like life partners, like they want to experience life together. You know, like that's the best way to have life, right? Is you're just sharing life experiences all the time, right? In like a positive way, negative way, it doesn't matter. And I feel like I miss out on a lot of those experiences. How long have you felt lonely, Brandon? 
Uh, I don't want to say, okay, I don't want to use the word lonely because like that's not the right way to describe it, but it's like, I think the, the deficiency is like the right way to say it. It's like, I feel like I'm at like a six or a five and like I want to be at like a nine or a 10. You know what I mean? And what, what made you a five or a six instead of a nine or a 10? Um, I feel like I'm playing catch up. You know, it's like, you know, when we talked about the cumulative knowledge thing with like the games, mm -hmm. it's like, I feel like I'm playing catch up in like the human interaction thing. Why do like, you have to play catch up in the first place? Because I uh, didn't have those experiences when I just put myself on the computer and pretty much like isolated myself for like the first 20 years of my life. Whose fault so, is it that you're playing catch up? Well, I mean, my my own, of course. Like, I'm the one who decided to do that. Like, I could like deflect and like put them like, oh, my parents or like, you know, this. It it always comes back to yourself. Like, you're the ultimate person responsible for yourself and like your life. Like, so it's like I understand like what I did, and it's like now we go back to like the mindset of I need to beat the game. So like I'm trying to figure out mentally how to like you know, tinker with my brain, all the stuff we talk about, the inner monologue, all that kind of junk to like have better experiences with people and like create better experiences for them, you know? Can I think for a second? Go for it. You know, blaming yourself, you got some snot, by the way. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's it's all good. I'm just you know. Uh, um, I'm gonna get a napkin. I'll bring it back. All right, I'm back. Welcome back, Brandon. Yeah. So I'm going to say something kind of weird, okay? So I think you're okay. good at figuring things out. Okay. And so if you're stuck somewhere, I think that it's not a problem of like not being able to solve the problem. I think you're trying to solve the wrong problem. It's a problem of misdiagnosis. And one of the hardest things to do, if you blame yourself... And you try to fix things. One of the saddest things that I routinely see is when people blame themselves for something that's not actually their fault. So they're never able to fix it because the fault doesn't lie with you. And as long as you own the faults of other people, like that's not something that can ever be fixed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I understand what you're trying to say. So I, I know it sounds kind of weird, but like the idea that you were deficient, the idea that it's all your fault on the one hand is helpful, is adaptive, right? Because if everything is your fault, you have it within your your power to fix it. Yes. And, and so there's something actually bizarrely comforting about beating yourself up. Because then like, and I, honestly, I see this in cases of like abuse and neglect where like 
people learn to think it's their fault. And I know it sounds kind of weird, but why does that happen so much? It's because actually the alternative is like way harder. Like, like dealing with a world where you're in the situation that you're in because you didn't, not because of something that you did wrong, but because other people did something wrong is like a terrifying world to live in. There's so much uncertainty because if you're not to blame, then can you ever fix it? Like, I don't know. Like taking away power from yourself in that situation. Absolutely. And, And this is the kind of thing where I would be really careful. Because I mean, like, sure, you played a bunch of video games, but like, and, and I know that like we sort of talk about like holding on to resentment is a bad thing, but I think that you're doing something really, really bizarre, which is if you accept, if you're not, if you accept more blame than what you're responsible for, you're in a, like an unsolvable situation. Okay. That makes sense. Right. So I, I get that you feel deficient, but I think you've got to be careful about the logical plan of action that you build rooted in an emotion that you are not good enough, that you are deficient in some way. Because like all of that thinking starts from like that emotional core. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that you've made progress and I'm sure you'll continue to make progress. I think you'll make progress faster if you understand like, like the reason you feel deficient now we're speed running. So, you know, you know, I may recommend a couple of other things to you at the top of the list is we're releasing a guide on mental health, which I think there are one or two videos that you should definitely watch because your textbook. Okay. Um, but, but it's kind of interesting. Cause like, if you think about how long have you felt deficient? Uh, I mean, my whole life, obviously like, it's yeah right so like all right yeah so if you think about it that's something that you carry with you Mm -hmm. right it shapes like all of the way that you look at the world and if you want to form like healthy relationships like it's going to be really hard if you don't believe that you're someone that's form worth forming a healthy relationship with Mm -hmm. like what keeps your friends at arm's length Because you keep on saying, I'm used to being on my own. Like, yeah, I get you're used to it, but it's not what you want. I feel like part of me does want to be on my own, though. You're right. Why? It's like comforting because it's the normality. Not just the normality. It's like my routine. So I think there's value to routine. But what would it be like to not keep people at arm's length? What do you gain by keeping them at arm's length? Just the same thing. So the same, the same routine, same, same thing. I don't gain anything. I think you gain more than that. So I want you to think about a time where you could get closer to someone. Okay. And you don't. Why not? Um, I feel like we don't share the same, like, uh, I don't feel like the feeling is shared. So it's like I, I pull back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's 
think about that for a second. Why do you have to pull back if the feeling isn't shared? Don't you like smother people? I don't know. Have you smothered people before? I've definitely experienced people smothering me. So it's like, I don't want them to experience that as well. You know, when like somebody's like too pushy about like being in your life or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I just want to be on my own or to do my own thing. So you so want to, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put that burden on other people. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to use like a, I'm going to use exaggerated terms. Okay. Cause we're speed running. Okay. So you don't want to, you're, it almost sounds like you're protecting them from yourself. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like, it's like the, I'm trying to, I guess I'm just going to say it's like, I'm logically trying to like, uh, it's like, I don't want, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm protecting them from myself. Cause I, I don't like that experience sometimes. Right. So it's like, I don't want them to have that experience, you know? And what exactly are you protecting them from? I don't want to like push myself into their life too much, you know, or like, I don't want to be like the little eager kid with like a, oh, this is like a little, like a, a butterfly and then switch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you view yourself in that interaction? Like what, what are you, what are you insulating them from? I just want to give them their space. Like, it's like, uh, I didn't ask them. I didn't ask what you want to do for them. I'm asking, what are you? What am I? I'm just somebody that I feel like I'm an intense person. Like, uh, when I just because of a lot of my experiences throughout my life and, and I know I, yeah, I shouldn't be like, just because I know we talked about that, but good. Yeah. It's, but it's like, that's, or it can be an intense person. And it's like, I want to, I'm like trying to pull back from that intensity, you know? I, I understand I can be an intense person. Okay. So, what do you mean by intense person? Well, it's because like before I didn't feel any of these things. And it's like, once I opened the floodgate, it's like, I feel these things like, I mean, I'm, I'm freaking crying on stream and stuff, right? You know? Yep. It's like once I do feel something or like something does happen, I feel like it's like magnified tenfold. So it's like, it's very difficult for me to, uh, I don't want to say control it, but it's like, it can be, it can be overwhelming. Yep. You know? Absolutely. And what's wrong with you being overwhelmed when you're with someone else? I don't want them to be overwhelmed by this experience that like, I can't even control myself. Cause like, I'm not in control of myself in that situation. Yep. So it's like, I don't want to like boil that over onto them, you know? Mm-hmm. Expose them to your nastiness. Yeah, my nastiness. They don't, they don't deserve to deal with this overwhelming bundle of emotions that is you. This yes. busted kid who never learned how to make friends and you don't want to show that to them. And why should they have to deal with someone who, you know, is such a deficient human being? Yes. Pretty much. There you go. You got it. Yep. <laughs> so I'm going to say something weird, Brandon. You're an arrogant prick. Yeah, I've been told that. Yeah, so, so <laughs> here's the thing. It's not your place to control their reactions. You're taking the decision away from them. That makes you arrogant okay. and controlling. Okay. 
right? So like it what does. you need to do is like, because like it's interesting, right? Because you're really controlling this interaction. You're I not am. giving them the choice to accept you or reject you. You're making that choice for them. And as long as you make that choice for them, they're going to be at arm's length. Yes. So like the that reason, is. like they're at arm's length because you're keeping them there. If they get so this is where I'd like venture, like there are times where it's not just about you getting close to them. Sometimes they come close to you and I think you push them away. Yes, that does happen. So I know it's going to be terrifying. But I I would let someone let them have it. Let them have it. (laughs) Right. Uh. Give them the chance to be a friend. Because right now you're controlling it. You're not giving them the chance. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't have a friendship that is like where one person has all the power. Okay. What do you think about that? I can agree with it. Um... I don't want to give you a just because, but like also something that goes into my mind with that is like the scene we're in is like, I don't want to say very superficial, but it's like, I feel like a, there are, yeah, there are a lot of superficial like relationships with people and like, yep. cause, and there's a lot of friendships that get created in this scene as well. Like I, I just, I don't know. It's very hard to tell, like, genuine interactions, you know? Yeah. So that that, you know, that's something that I think you should you should be very careful about, because when it comes to like the streaming world, friendship becomes a business. Yes. And I don't want it to become that. So that that I can I can, you know, I, I can not only meet you halfway, I can meet you all the way. I'll come all the way over to your concern there. But I I really do think, Brandon, that like, if you want to feel connected to someone, you know, like, like you, like it feels to me like there's ugliness inside you that you don't want to burden other people with. But as long as like you're not willing to let them see who you are, like you're never, you're always going to feel that degree of distance. And the whole point, I mean, here you are crying in front of thousands of people. Like, wh- what What would you think? I mean, I know the stream is a little bit of a different place, but like when your mind considers situations like this, like what is it afraid of? I mean, I'm not afraid to show my emotion. I'm never, I'm never afraid of that. Like, I don't care. Okay. You know? okay. Like, I don't feel any insecurity with it. It's more so like, I just, uh... I guess maybe I am afraid of like the disingenuous. Uh, I see a lot of like disingenuous. Oh, I, I got a good way of explaining it. All my previous friendships from before were friendships that I was like, it's like, so let's say I'm on a team with somebody, right? It's like, we're living together. I'm on a team. We're friends. Why are we friends? Because we're just here living together. It's because of circumstance, you know, or like I'm in the military. It's like, we're here. We're stuck with each other. Now we're friends. I'm friends because I'm stuck there with that person, right? And it's like, I almost have like that same mindset of, it's, it's like, now I'm not stuck with people, 
right? So it's like, I, it's hard for me to tell like what a genuine non, like I'm stuck here with you friendship is. <laughs> or sure. yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's a, I don't know if that explains it well, but yeah, it's like very difficult for me to, like I'm afraid of that, like that I'm stuck with you friendship. I don't want to have that, you know? And it's like, now I'm not stuck with anybody. So I'm like trying to like cultivate like real friendships and relationships. And it's like, it's just a very different experience. So, and it's, I'm not trying to navigate that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of practical stuff there and there's potentially a date, like a dangerous isn't the right word. There's like an interesting undercurrent there. So when I envision someone who views themselves as deficient and they have mm -hmm. friends due to circumstances, I could imagine like that blending together to where like the only reason these people are my friends is because we're all stuck on a boat together. The only yeah. reason that these people are my friends is because they're my teammates. Because do you see how like the circumstance plus your deficiency could create like a hybrid kind of thing? Yes. I mean, I, under I understand what's going on and it's like, yeah, it's and because I because I I, th I think actually like I would even go as far as to say that your conception that the only re I mean you didn't use the word only but I think that when your mind says the you know the reason we're friends is because we're stuck together that implies to me that you don't acknowledge that there's like genuine value and it's just circumstance it's karma right but like yes. when you think about friends like that's how friends get made like so friends are made through. Uh, repeated unplanned interactions and common cause. Yes. But what I'm really hearing is like, I, I think that, you know, the next time you have a good day or a bad day, or there's something that you think that someone else doesn't want to hear, I think you should try sharing it with them. All right. What do you think about that? I try to do that. But it's just like, I still hold back, you know? Yep. So, so what do you hold back? I just don't talk about, I just stay off on my own. Like, so a lot of times I'll, I'll try to talk to people, but it's like. Yep. So, so what, I, what I'm talking about is not what you already do. It's what you hold back. Yeah. I just don't do it as much as I should. Like, I don't want to say I'm lazy, but it's like, I don't put the effort in that I should. And then. No, and I, I, I don't. Don't be self-judgmental. I'm going to discount anything because that's like anything that's self-blaming or implies a deficiency. I'm going to sidestep as best as I can. Well, doesn't it take two to tango? Like, I have people reach out to me. Okay. You know, it's like, I don't feel like I reciprocate in the same way that they're coming to me, you know? What, what keeps you from reciprocating? Just, I'm too used to being on my own kind of thing, you know? Like... That's my normal. That's my normality. It's like I'm off on my so own I'm, world. I'm sure that habit has something to do with it. But I would say like, you know, so for example, today, can you think of a single person that you can reach out to after we're done talking? Of course. And what will you do that? Yes. Okay. And what is going to be the purpose of you reaching out to them? To talk to them. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't like and, having ulterior motives or anything, yep. you know? And, and so like, what is something, can you think of a person that there's something that a part of you wanted, there's a part of you that wanted to share, but you held back with a particular person. Can you think of a scenario like that? Mm. Like ideally within the last like week or two, 
Because it can be weird if it's like a six month old interaction, but. I mean, just like dumb stuff, just like talking about something like maybe something silly, like just something that happened, like that kind of, stuff. you know, like I'm not going to give like a specific example, but it's just those are the kind of moments, you know, like I just never reach out to people. Yeah. Like, so I, 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 so here's what I would recommend to you, Brandon, is do that today. Reach out to someone. And do whatever, whatever you normally do, do more. And this is the the main thing. So this is not going to be about forming friendships. This is actually going to be a part of your meditation practice. Okay. Okay. So what I want you to do is as you reach out to someone, so I want you to think about something that you have kept hidden from someone else. Like it doesn't have to be like deep, dark secret, you know, but like, you know, that voice in your mind that tells you like, oh, they don't want to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Like I just made a bunch of money on AMC or I lost a bunch of money on Dogecoin. Like you take your pick. Right. And or even it's it, it, and like I would take something that you're uncomfortable with sharing something. And this is where the meditation practice comes in. As you think about the interaction, your mind is going to tell you reasons not to do it. Your mind is going to tell you, oh, they don't want to hear about that. Oh, that's going to be too much. Like, that's going to sound pathetic. I'm going to like, like, you know, like I'm going to, it's so pathetic. I'm so pathetic if I say that to them. And notice it, aware it, become aware of it in the moment. And sit with that feeling. Don't try to explain, oh, this is, I'm just doing this because it's my habit. Mm -hmm. Like, like, and then like, you're going to notice the becauses pop up. Just sit with that feeling, which makes you feel, for lack of a better term, ugly. It's a feeling of ugliness, right? Like it's like deformity, deficiency, like it's something. And then I know it's going to sound weird, but I want you to watch. So then I want you to share whatever it is that you don't want to share. And if you can't share it, that's actually okay. Just notice what it is that keeps you from sharing. Notice that feeling of deformity and ugliness and deficiency is so powerful that you can't actually like get the words out Mm. or share it. And as you share it, notice what happens to that feeling. Watch it. Don't even worry about what they say. Just watch yourself. Okay. What what do you think about that? I can do this. Quest accepted. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think, Brandon, this has a lot to do with you, man. I mean, I know I said this self, you know, I know some of what I'm saying is going to sound not hypocritical, but contradictory. It's tangled up. But it's I life. think your life short- is all about you, but not about you. Yeah. So your shortcoming is that you accept more shortcomings than you're responsible for. I can agree with that. But yeah, OK, never mind. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it's fine to have the butt, right? Like, I'm not disputing that the butt has value. I think in your case, you just lean too much on what's on the other side of the butt. That's going to get taken out of context. I do lean to the butt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right? The butt, the because, the, the like, and, and that's where, like, because when you get into the logic, like, you move away from that feeling, and what you need to do is sit with that feeling. Because that's the feeling that like, you know, like when you were failing out and like, you know, what did your parents do when they found out that you had to repeat a year? 
they didn't care right so because i had i just like told them like i'm gonna do this and then they're like okay so like like it's hard but like it's hard to give people the opportunity to care about you when you've learned over and over again that people don't give a shit so you don't want to overwhelm them but like in overwhelming them like you're giving them the opportunity to like give a shit but you don't want that because people have had a lot of opportunity like did anyone ever ask like what's wrong with this kid does this kid need help like why isn't he coming to class not really right so like no one has cared about you before why would they care about you now and it's hard. It's hard because as long as you don't ask like that truth, like you don't open up to people because like right now you've convinced yourself that that's a question mark. Maybe people do care about me. I'm dating someone clearly. Right. So like someone cares about me. You have a cat. So there's there's my, like my cat cares about me. <laughs> there's there's a certain amount of like ambiguity about like, am I worth caring about or not? But if you go back to opening up to people like and you learn that lesson again, then all hope is lost. Mm. Okay. Sorry, I'm just like, I feel like emotionally exhausted right now. So. Yep. Yep. I think we're done for today. today. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I appreciate this. And it was definitely a good experience. And I hope like it helped anybody out there that also may be going through stuff like this. So, yep. Thanks. Thanks for the time. GG. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Good awareness there. I'm emotionally exhausted too. How about y'all chat? Sometimes people dodge for like the first two hours. No, but he wasn't dodging. I, I, I think we both genuinely, that was a little bit of a joke.